Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Welcome on, TJ. TJ, welcome to the broadcast, bro. Thank you so much for having me. Those words mean a lot coming from you because I respect you a lot. So, Man, you are one of those that God has anointed in this generation to preach with power, with authority. If anybody knows me when I listen to preachers, I could handle some slow preachers, not not to throw shade on any of my friends, but like I'll, I'll, I like the fire. I want to hear preaching. I want to hear power. And so you're one of those guys, man. You just preach with passion. You preach with fire. You live it out. I know you do. I know you personally. And I'm just excited, man. I'm honored to have you on. I know you're on the broadcast like, hey, man, I'm honored you have me on. But I want to say as well, I honor you. I respect your gift. The anointing that God has given you is powerful. It's underrated. I know you're growing. You just hit 10,000 subs today, which is incredible, guys. You just hit 10,000. And I know it's just the beginning of what God's going to do in your ministry and all that God's doing. And guys, listen, I need everyone in the chat to, to listen up here. He's holding it down in Canada. If you are in Canada, you need to put some ones in the chat because TJ is in Canada. We all know what's going on in Canada. Okay, we could do a whole stream on this. And he's blowing the trumpet. He's sounding the alarm. He's preaching the gospel. I just told him, bro, you need to move down to my area so we could just do some collabs. And he's like, God has me in Canada right now. So I'm in California holding it down. He's out in Canada holding it down. Man, I'm super excited to have you on. Thanks for being here tonight, guys. We are talking about the anointing of God. Now, I'm glad we're talking about this because there's a lot of misconception about the anointing. People always talk about a song's anointed, that's anointed, a service is anointed, or the church is anointed. We always hear the anointing, the anointing, the anointing, the anointed, but little people realize what it is. And I, I would say this, TJ, and I think you'd agree, if there's ever been a time where we need, not, not oh, if we have it, it's cool, where we need the anointing of God, it is right now. If there's ever been a year to go into with the anointing and the power of the Spirit, it's 2022. And so I'm believing and I'm praying for myself, for the chat, that the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit would rest upon our family. And I don't just want to be anointed. I want my kids to be anointed. I want my wife to be anointed. I want my pastors, my leaders, my friends to be anointed of God. I want that supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And the word anointing is not unfamiliar in scripture. The word anoint is used 35 times. The word anointing is used 98 times. The word anointed is 20 anointed is used 28 times so this is a supernatural reality it's a real thing going from the old testament to the new testament and i just want to lay just a quick groundwork of the basics of the anointing for those of you that are just jumping in you might be confused the new testament anointing is the empowerment of the holy spirit so when we talk about preaching under the anointing, we are talking about when the Holy Spirit takes over and begins to preach out of us, begins to empower us. As we were talking about, TJ, and I want you to touch on this as well, like we've been sick at times. I remember a time where I had 104 fever. I was sicker than a dog, couldn't barely move. I was in my house doing the revival at my home. I got up and preached for an hour with 104 fever, got done preaching, fell on the couch and slept like 20 hours. How did I do that? I had no pain while doing it. It was the anointing of God. It's that supernatural ability to do what you otherwise couldn't do. It's the same thing when we cast out devils. It's the anointing of God. It's the same thing, you know, when we're, my first time ever preaching at Morningstar, this very big church venue, I was throwing up 
minutes before service because I was sick from the airplane. And I thought, well, if I start throwing up on stage, I'll just preach the lukewarm church. I use it as an illustration. And I got up there, preached fine, didn't throw up was how? the anointing of God. And so I I rely on the anointing. I tell God, I, w- I will disconnect the live right now if your anointing doesn't show up. I need the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I think it's essential right now that we have the anointing. I, I know God has anointed you. I know God has anointed me. I know there's many in the chat that have been anointed and God is going to anoint. But bro, honestly, I could think time and time again, where if it had not been for the anointing of God, I just wouldn't survive. I wouldn't be able to preach or teach. So talk to, talk a little bit about that, that empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the anointing. Absolutely. And, you know, the Bible says that Jesus, in Acts chapter 10, verse 30, you can't talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit without talking about this verse. It says that Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Ghost and power, Mm. and he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. So that shows you something. Jesus didn't operate outside of the anointing. Everything he did was by the anointing. He didn't do miracles because he was the Son of God. He didn't do miracles because, you know, he was born of a virgin. He did miracles, the Bible says it, because he was anointed by the Holy Ghost to to fulfill his mission. And the Bible makes it very clear what his mission was. His mission is uh, listed out in 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. So before we move on to anything, I want you to set your expectation tonight. As we preach, you know, you can't have what you don't preach. You'll never see manifest in your meetings or in your online live streams what you're not preaching. If I want to see people have miracles, I preach on miracles. If I want to see people get healed, I preach on healing. If I want to see people get delivered and be set free from all the work and power of the devil, I talk about the anointing. When you brag on the anointing, when you talk about the Holy Ghost, when you speak about it and boast of him long enough, he has no choice but to show up. He loves to come behind the word of God. The anointing is word triggered. When you bring up the word of God, the anointing is triggered off to come and fulfill what he what his ministry is to do which is to destroy the work of the devil jesus's life and ministry shows you one very amazing thing you can do more in three and a half years by the anointing than some people than anybody can do in three lifetimes in their flesh when you operate in the flesh because there's an anointing to the flesh you understand that the flesh has an anointing and it brings criticism and it brings doubt and it brings unbelief and it brings carnal nature it brings uh, strife it brings envy it brings jealousy but the anointing of the spirit brings the total opposite paul says it this way You can live by the Spirit, and that's one thing. But you can also walk by the Spirit. There's a lot of people that they, you know, they. I'm born again, I'm I'm filled with the Spirit. But they don't walk by the anointing. The Holy Spirit is not a meeting-to-meeting thing. We're We're like a bunch of revival junkies. Can't wait for the next revival. Can't wait for the next conference. Can't wait for the next meeting. You can actually walk in it. What you feel in those services, you can actually take and walk in it. Paul says it this way. Let us not just live by the spirit but let's learn how we can walk in the anointing how we can walk in the spirit because when you walk in the anointing these are the fruits of the spirit it is love you know a fruit you don't have to cheerlead an apple tree to grow apples an apple tree has the dna 
to produce apples. You don't have to cheerlead an orange tree to produce oranges. You don't have to make it, work it up. You don't have to get by it and wrap your arm around and say, hey, come on, I know you can do it. Just keep on going. No, it just naturally produces it. In the same vein, when you're anointed and you choose to consecrate your life to the anointing and to the spirit, these fruits will naturally, or supernaturally, I should say, grow and be produced in your life, which is love, which is joy, which is peace, which is goodness, which is gentleness, faithfulness, faithfulness, kindness, and self-control. The Bible says those that operate by the Spirit, um, they, they have crucified their desires and their flesh to the cross, and these are the fruits that now, instead, you know, when you were in the world, you didn't have to try to, to have lustful thoughts. You didn't have to try to do all those things. They just That was the fruit. When you got born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and you begin to choose to live by the anointing, it's the same that same drive you had to roll joints, that same drive you had to, to go to all unholy places, that same drive you had to not read your Bible, not pray, to backslide, to backbite against others, to gossip, to whisper, that same drive now is steered on by the Holy Ghost to do the work of Christ, to work in righteousness, to live a holy lifestyle. And I'm telling you, right before we move on to anything else, set your expectation. Not only, these are the three things the anointing is going to do to you today. One, the anointing is going to come and do something for you. It's going to break the chain. Just like Samson had the ropes of the Philistines tie him up and he prayed and the Lord sent fire and the, burnt, the ropes were burnt as by fire. That was a symbol of the anointing. God's first, by his anointing, he's first going to set you free. If it's alcohol addiction, if it's pornography addiction, if it's lust, if it's adultery, if it's anger, if it's hatred, if it's boasting, if it's envy, whatever it is, there's nothing the devil has done to you that the anointing of the Holy Ghost is not going to snap off your life here and now. And I emphasize here and now because there's a lot of people that are one day Christians. One day I'm going to be saved. One day I'm going to be healed. One day I'm going to get breakthrough. One day I'm going to be set free. Uh, let me tell you, you, when you start doing that, you're making time your idol because you're believing that time is going to eventually heal all. Time's not your God. Time's not your Savior. Jesus Christ died 2,000 years ago, was buried in that grave, rose again the third day, and he said, now is the day of my favor. Luke 4.18, talking about the anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. One of the things it says, the last, ver the last part of that verse says, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. What is that? It's the, the year of of Jubilee, the Old Testament. It was the seventh year where all debts were paid, where all the land you lost in gambling, whatever they had done, were restored back to them. That's what Jesus was saying. Everything the devil stole from you in this year of Jubilee, in this year of God's favor, by the anointing, is going to be restored back into your life in the mighty name of Jesus. And I believe with interest in Jesus' name. So God's going to do something to you by his anointing. Then God's going to do something in you. Mm. All the insecurities all the, the timidity, all the shyness, all the, the fear that the devil's bound you with, you know, crippled you and paralyzed you with. The anointing flushes you. It like flushes you dry, takes out all those things. All the insecurities get flushed out. All the poor thinking, all the negative thinking. And instead it puts in you a spirit of faith, a spirit to say in the face of opposition, I will live and not die and declare the work of the Lord. The spirit, that's why Paul said in all these things, we're more than conquerors. There's too many Christians that walk around as more than conquered when we're supposed to be more Ooh. than conquerors. We're supposed preach. to be overcomers. The anointing is what puts 
that in you. You can't work that up. There's a lot of Christians. I'm just trying. I'm trying to hold on. You can't try. You can't do what the Bible tells you to do outside of the anointing. The anointing empowers you to do and to be everything that the epistles tell you you can be. That you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, I know it's in the Bible, brother. I know. Doesn't matter if it's in the Bible. Is it alive and is it working and is it moving in and through you? Number two, God's going to do something in you. And then number three, by the end of this broadcast, you'll be so on fire, God's going to start doing things through you. The Bible says that God is at work in you and through you to do and accomplish his purpose. Isaiah said it before, we are in the last days. We're not in the, only in the last days. We are in the final seconds of the Come last on. days. Jesus Christ is coming back and the work that is to be done will not be done in the flesh. It's not going to be programs. It's not going to be cute Christian uh, sermons that they got on sermonindex.net. It's not going to be recycled stuff. We need a fresh move of God. This generation doesn't need a new explanation of Christianity. This generation needs a new demonstration of Christianity. And that's going to happen through you from tonight as the anointing of God comes on you in Jesus' name. Bro. If you believe that, just put amen in the chat. Come on. I'm literally sweating right now. This is why I put my desk on stand-up when I have you on, because the fire of God is blazing right now. Many of you in the chat, you, listen, we're 10, 15 minutes in. God is already moving in your home right now. God is already moving in your body right now. I want some of you, this is not some name it and blame it, grab it, whatever, blab it. This is not some of that, friend. This is the supernatural power of God at work in your life right now and the anointing is under attack there's so many preachers and pastors that say it's not about experience brother it's not about feelings brother it's not about p power brother we need just to focus on the bible how can you focus on the bible and not see the power of god at work how could you focus on the bible and not see the anointing of god at work from the anointing of god is the Holy Spirit in action. It's the Holy Spirit at work. So don't let preachers that are not anointed talk you out of walking in the anointing. Now, some of you might say, well, brother, you might be anointed. Well, brother, Isaiah might be anointed or TJ might be anointed, but I'm not anointed. Let me show you what John says. First John 2, 18, dear children. And this is so good, TJ, because it ties into what you just said. He says, dear children, this is the last hour. So hold on. Let's just think about this. John is writing 2000 years ago. And John says, dear children, John being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit's the author of all scripture. He's authoritative figure of all scripture from Old Testament and the New Testament. This is the Holy Spirit inspiring John to write this. Dear John, we're in the last hour. He says, and as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. And then he says, this is how we know it is the last hour. So this is how we know. The Antichrist is coming and many have already come. In verse 19, he says, they went out from, from us. They did not really belong to us for they had belonged to us. They would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. And then watch what he says in verse 20. But you, and I'm preaching to 3,500 people watching, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. So you do, not just Isaiah or TJ, you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. So as believers, every single one of us are anointed from God, have the anointing of God. Now, just because you have the anointing doesn't mean you walk in the anointing, doesn't mean you use the anointing, doesn't mean you flow in the anointing, doesn't mean you're led by the anointing, which is the Holy Spirit. This idea that so few people are anointed, just a couple guys on the online or a couple ministries is a false idea. John says you are, but watch what he says in 1 John 2, 27, as for you, 
the anointing you received from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you this is john speaking but as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real not counterfeit just as it has taught you remain in him so he says this the anointing of god is going to teach you about all things now here's the interesting thing tj jesus said the holy spirit is going to teach you about all things so the question is like john is it the holy spirit or is it the anointing it's both the holy spirit is the anointing it's the power right. of god at work john 14 25 jesus says to the disciples these things i've spoken to you while being present with you but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things i said to you so this is the description of the anointing by jesus is the power of the holy spirit at work to teach you, to empower you, to do whatever whatever you need to do supernaturally for God, the anointing is going to come and empower you to do that. You can't buy the anointing. We know Simon the sorcerer right. tried to buy the anointing in the book of Acts, and the disciples told him, let your money be destroyed with your thinking, thinking you can buy the gift of God. So anyone that says, buy this anointing for 1999 are false you can't buy the anointing you can't buy the power to lay hands on someone and the thing simon the sorcerer was trying to buy was the ability to lay hands on people and they would receive the holy spirit that's what they were doing and he goes you can't buy this this is a gift a grace gift charisma charismata this is a gift from god this anointing this power from the holy spirit to do what i've called you to do so my my question tj has been how could we survive without the anointing when Jesus couldn't. How could we live without the anointing when the disciples couldn't? How are pastors so good at preaching with no anointing, preaching, and it's, guys, is it is it radical to say, <laughs> preaching in our world right now, in the modern church of America, mostly in Canada as well, is dry, is soft, is dull, is dead. I mean, even these big events we do, guys, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but am I, is it safe to say that the messages are soft, they're powerless, they don't confront, they don't set free, they don't deliver? Jesus said in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me for what? To proclaim the good news to the poor, right. to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover the sight of the blind, and to set liberty those who are oppressed. Not in the natural, not politically. He goes, I'm not going to set you free politically from Rome. I'm going to cast those devils out of you and set you free. So the anointing has a purpose. We are not anointed to sit on the couch. If you're asking for the anointing and all you do is sit on the couch all day or watch TV all day or warm a pew or play games all day, don't ask God for the anointing because there's a purpose for the anointing. And the purpose is to actually do stuff for God, to begin and proclaim the gospel. I'm believing for this year that there's going to be a gospel explosion in your life where you are no longer, come on, Holy Ghost, help me preach tonight, Hallelujah. going to be ashamed of the gospel. You are no longer going to be timid about sharing your faith. You are no longer going to be silent about the gospel. I don't care if you share through text message. I don't care if you share through phone call, through TikTok, through Instagram, through YouTube. God's anointing is going to break you out of that spirit of the chicken. We need to break out of the chicken spirit where we're afraid we're chicken. We got to cross the chicken line and start declaring the word of God with boldness Isaiah TJ how do you guys get up in front of thousands of people and preach about being lukewarm and preach about hell and preach about deliverance and all these bold things it's the anointing do you guys think we could get on here and preach like this in our own effort you think we could get on here and preach like this and thousands would show up in our own own volition or whatever the word is 
It's the anointing of God that possesses us. We always talk about being demon possessed. What about being Holy Spirit possessed? What about being possessed by the Holy Spirit and the power of God being owned by the Holy Spirit? Paul said, I'm consumed. He's an all consuming fire. And stop with this whole, oh, I'm just gonna give Jesus my Sunday morning. Where's that in the Bible? He wants every single part of you, the anointing of God, is jealous for your time. You have been anointed. Who am I preaching to, chat? You have been anointed to heal the sick, to drive out devils, to raise the dead. There's a purpose behind the anointing. And people that don't have the anointing are going to try to talk you out of the anointing. Do not let the naysayer stop you from what God has for you. Do not let the naysayers. I see people this year sharing at work for the first time. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to say, this stuff works. Like there's actually power when I share my faith. You might not believe there's power because you've never done it, but it's time to lay hands on the sick. It's time to drive out devils. I'm going to be in 50 years from now, TJ still preaching. We need to go cast out devils. We need to go heal the sick. We need to preach because the power of God is alive, friend. The anointing of God is alive and we need it like never before. And here's the thing. I'm going to turn it over to you right here, TJ. I'm asking God tonight. I need a fresh anointing. And I know, and I want to say this with the fear of God. I want to say this with reverence. And I know some people might not agree with this. It's okay. You don't agree with a lot of stuff I say. The anointing, I know what it costs, TJ. There's a price to the anointing. And I know what is it going to cost me to gain a fresh anointing. I know what is it going to cost me. It's not going to be free. The anointing is not, oh, just, just whatever. You don't have to do anything. Just accept Jesus in your heart. You got to lay your life down, friend. This is going to cost energy, time. This is going to cost what's valuable sacrifice. I'm going to show, we're going to show you later that there is a price to be anointed. There's a price to walk in the anointing and there's a continual price. So please don't say, I want Isaiah's anointing. You do not know what I paid for this anointing. Do not say, I want TJ's. Why? And I hope I don't mess up anything you're going to preach here, TJ. But why would you want my anointing when you could have the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Why would you want TJ's anointing when you could have the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Why do you want, I want the spirit of Elijah. I don't. I don't want the spirit of Elijah. I want the spirit of Christ. I want the spirit, Holy Spirit. Like, why are we asking people? I have people all the time. Brother, will you pray your anointing over me? No. No, I'm not going to. Number one, I paid for this anointing. Number two, why would you want my anointing if you could have the anointing of the Holy Spirit? I'll pray for you to get the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to pray that you'd have my dusty, crusty anointing. I have, I've I've paid for this. It's my anointing is for my assignment and your assignment's not my assignment. So you need your own anointing. We are in a time and a season where God is pouring out a spirit like never before. And I refuse to let the naysayers talk me out of this anointing. Tonight is my night. I'm getting my anointing. I'm getting my filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm getting the power of God. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Um, go for it, TJ. I'm telling you, the anointing is strong right now in this broadcast. Absolutely. You know, and I love what you said before. Like, how how is it that people in the church are able, like, it's almost a skill for a pastor to get up and read the Bible and suck the anointing out of it. Like, it's a skill. I don't know how you can read the Gospels and then have a, a, a garbage service. I don't understand how you can read the Gospels and now get triggered off to start 
to start contending for miracles, to start seeing, you know, when Jesus said in John 14 and 12, the works that you see me do, you're going to do. I don't take that as like, oh, that's nice. Well, that's cute. Like a fortune cookie prophecy. I take that as Christ talking to me, mm. not just talking to his disciples, talking directly to me that, hey, don't be astonished with everything I'm doing here alone. I'm the same spirit. Oh, hallelujah. You know, John 16, I've said this on your broadcast. I know I've done it. I've said it before, but I'm repeating it. Come on. John 16, the Bible says when Jesus was about to ascend on high, he was about to go to the cross. He was about to fulfill all his commission. He told the disciples, like plainly, I'm about to be delivered into the hands of the, of, of the, the religious people. They're going to crucify me and on the third day. I'm going to rise again. They didn't really entirely comprehend that. So they started to get sorrow filling their heart. They started to get sad about it. They started to complain. They started, what, what do you mean you're leaving? You've been with us the last three and a half years. We're finally gaining traction. We're finally seeing miracles. The ministry's taking off. People like Gentiles or centurions are coming to, to ask services from you and stuff. And now you see you're bouncing? Now you're leaving? What is that? What are we going to do? Because they thought that you know, once he left, that was it, game over. But Jesus had a secret that he divulged to them in John 16. He said, don't let sorrow fill your heart. There's too many Christians, they're looking back mm. to the Gospels and saying, oh, for the days of the Gospels. There's that song, oh, for the days of Elijah. They're like looking back for the days of Elijah. Oh, for oh, what, it what I would have paid to be alive during Elijah's day. Do you know the Bible actually says that there are people, prophets and righteous men of the Old Testament that would have paid a lot of Say money it. to see what we know? to know what we know to have the full the full picture of the gospel that we have in this book called the bible to know our authority in christ jesus said hey don't let sorrow fill your heart because i said i'm leaving if i don't go Come i on. can't send the helper can't send you the anointing but if i do go i'm gonna pray the father and he's going to send you the same power that's been at work in me to now work in you the devil is super dumb because he thought if Come i can on. get the jesus problem out of the way then i'm i've defeated god i can put him on that cross and then humanity is mine to devour and destroy little did he know I'm sure he was like super excited grabbing the hand of the Roman soldier that was nailing him to the cross. And he was like behind the scenes grinning and super happy and hell was planning their party. Little did they know that every time that a, the nail sunk deep into his hand, every time they sunk a nail deep into his feet and every droplet of blood that came down that wooden beam was just the payment for our redemption mm. so that we can become clean vessels so that one day, 50 days after that crucifixion, the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, that the same power that was in Christ that Jesus was geographically constrained in his day. He, he, he was constrained to his body. He couldn't just be everywhere at once. But now, because the Spirit's been sent from heaven, Come on. We, he has a, we have a bunch of... That's why they call them Christians. They're little Christs. Little Christ. That's what the word Christian means. Because they started to say these people... I mean, look at Peter and John. Uneducated, untrained men. But the people recognized them as having been with Jesus because they saw their boldness. They saw the anointing at work in them. Instead of the devil having one problem, he has like 800 million problems on the earth today because God had... Like Isaiah said, I love that he mentioned that. 1 John 2.20. We're not asking for an anointing. 
you have an anointing from the Holy One. Now you need to learn how to yield to the anointing. There's a lot of people, how can I increase the anointing? You actually can't increase the anointing. You can't have more anointing than, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't have more Holy Ghost. What we have to do is what John said in John 3.30. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase in me. Uh, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, I believe it is. He said, we have this treasure in our earthen vessels. That's why we do we take time to fast and pray. Because when you're fasting and you're praying, the flesh, which wages war against the spirit, against the anointing, doesn't want you to walk in the anointing. When you fast and pray, you're subduing the flesh, you're crucifying the flesh, you're removing the influence of the flesh, and you're yielding yourself to the desires of the spirit. So that, that treasure that's in this earthen vessel can shine forth and manifest. That was the difference between Jesus and every other minister in his day. Think of it. Luke 4, he fasts, he's, the Bible says, being filled with the, uh, the Spirit, he went to the, to the wilderness to fast and pray. He got uh, tempted by the devil for 40 days, and after the days had ended, Luke 4, 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. He fasted and prayed, though he was filled with the Spirit. See, people think the baptism of the Holy Ghost is like graduation day. We've made it, guys. No. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is inauguration day. It's the moment you actually enter into the gateway. It's the gateway of the Spirit. It's it's your, you've been enrolled in the school of the Spirit now. Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost in the beginning of Luke 4, but it's only in verse 14 that he returned to Galilee with the power of the Holy Ghost. The anointing simply defined is God's presence manifested. We understand God's presence, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, but he's not manifesting everywhere. There's a lot of churches where he ain't there. There's a lot of places where he, he's just not there. His, his presence is there, but his presence is not manifesting. When the Spirit of God manifests through people and through vessels, that's when the anointing is present. Jesus returns in the power of the Holy Ghost into Galilee, and then in that same chapter, gets up in the synagogue, starts to preach, and a man who has an unclean spirit, remember in the synagogue, in those days, I don't know if they still do it today, but in those days, they wouldn't just have one guest speaker that would come up and give his spiel and then leave. They had like four or five guys. I mean, it was, it was a Sabbath day. They had like hours to kill now. So they had like many speakers come out. How come that demon was okay sitting through every other minister's speech? How come that demon... I okay with giving speeches. Isaiah's not okay with giving speeches. We don't do these broadcasts so we can just get things off our chest. These broadcasts are tailor-made to be a connection point where you can grab a hold of the hem of his garment and receive that which you have need of. That demon-possessed man stayed unmoved, didn't do anything. All right, he probably amen them. You know how many demons are amening some preacher's sermons these days? A lot. But then Jesus gets up and just reads one scripture and the man shoots out, what have we to do together? Do you know what the anointing does? It takes you out of the realm of taking the slaps to putting you into the realm where you're giving the slaps to the devil. You remove from the land of being slapped to now put into the realm of doing the slapping where you're no longer the one being harassed. You're the one 
on the go doing the harassing where you're not the one being tormented you now carry power with god to be a tormenting force to all the power of the of darkness and of the devil that's what the anointing is going to do for you today that's what the anointing did for jesus his left heel hits the ground in the gathering area and that man who, who could not be bound with shackles and chains you know what kills me more than anything you know what hurts me and disturbs me more than anything and this is why i fast and pray to get it to 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 to, to, to have that anointing because I refuse to take the pulpit without carrying that power, without carrying that anointing. It's when I see people come to services bound and leave bound. When I see people come blind and leaving blind. When I see people coming deaf and leaving deaf. When people came to Jesus, they didn't leave the same. And now it's no longer I who lives, Christ now lives in me. And if I'm going to live like that, then the people who come in contact with me should also have come in contact with Christ. Christ who is in me. They shouldn't be living the same. You come in with a wheelchair. You shouldn't be leaving in a wheelchair. I really believe that. And so even though, you know, it's not like I have a hundred thousand percent batting record. I've had people come into my meetings in a wheelchair and leave in the wheelchair. But that, you know, that tells me it's not, oh, oh, sometimes God says no. Sometimes he says maybe. No, it does the opposite to me. I'm going to fast more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to contend more. I refuse to let my generation just die out, not having seen. You know, David said in Psalm 71, 18, I'm going to pass it to you, Isaiah. Psalm 71, 18, he said that... We, even when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I have shown this generation your mighty works and your great power to everyone who comes. You, you want to know what qualifies you for the anointing? That'd be number one. You have to have a desire. Mm. I refuse. You know, I owe my generation a Pentecostal experience. I owe my generation a miracle experience. I owe my generation enough looking back to John G. Lake. I read his biographies. I love reading Smith Wigglesworth. He's one of my favorite, like, historical men of God that in, in the last 150 years. But I'm not just going to look back and reminisce like he's a museum artifact. I'm going to take that and now say, because God did it through him, it is proof that God is not dead. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He doesn't need, he doesn't look for favorites. Qualifier for the anointing is not talent and skill. Most of the time, actually, God chooses the unqualified and the unskilled. Yep. You ask Isaiah, you ask myself, before we came to Christ, we were zero. We had nothing good Come to on. offer. We were the foolish. We were the, the, the based ones. We were the weak ones. But God chooses the foolish, chooses the weak, chooses the, chooses the, the, the base to shame the things that are mighty, strong, and noble so that no flesh can glory in his presence. So good. And I want to touch on, too, that fasting and prayer cultivates the anointing in your life. If you're not not fasting listen and when we're talking about fasting we're not talking about just not eating we're talking about not eating and praying because if you're not praying while fasting you're just dieting but when you get that fasting and prayer and you mix those things together that's when the anointing of god the power of god at work begins to get cultivated in your life and i don't think there's anyone in the chat that says i want less of god every one of us are zealous for more of god and don't listen to the religious lie that God has given you all that there is. You can't have any more. There's nothing deeper. Paul said, desire the spiritual gifts. Pursue the spiritual gifts. There's more in God. Now, the spiritual gifts, we know the Holy Spirit 
that's where the gifts come from. So if the Holy Spirit has the gifts and we need to desire, we need to desire the Holy Spirit if we want more of God. So don't think that you're going to have the anointing sitting back saying, if God's desire is that I'm anointed, I'll be anointed. And this is what these guys are going to tell you. Don't pursue, brother. Don't ask. Absolutely ask. Jesus said, yes. you want to know how to get the Holy Ghost? And we're going to talk about this later before we pray for you. You want to know how to get the Holy Ghost? You need to ask for it. You do not sit on the couch and say, if it's the will of God for my life, that's my religious voice, by the way, if it's the will of God for my life, then God will give it to me, but don't pursue God. Think about all these guys making YouTube videos, channels, and preaching, telling you not to pursue supernatural, not to pursue the gifts of the spirit, not to pursue deliverance, not to pursue miracles. What are they saying? They're saying, don't pursue God, because who's the one doing the deliverance? God. Who's the one doing the miracles? God. Who's the one giving gifts? The Holy Spirit, God. Who's the one doing the miraculous, supernatural, signs, wonders, encounters? God. So we're literally telling people, don't, don't seek God. Don't look for those. And then they say this, just, just focus only on the Bible. That's what I'm doing. That's why I want to deliver people. That's why I want to drive out devils. That's why I want to lay hands on the sick. That's why I want to encounter God. That's why I praise because I read the Bible and the Bible shows me a supernatural life. That is, I hope somebody catches this tonight, is attainable. It's attainable. The Bible says that Elijah was a man just like us. And when he prayed, it didn't rain for years. And when he prayed again, it rained. And he was a man just like us. And then guess what? Let me take it further. Elijah was in the old covenant. And the Bible says the old covenant is literally nothing compared to the new covenant. The new covenant is so much greater than the old covenant. And now we don't just have a man of God coming and anointing us like there was in the Old Testament where people were anointed. And when they were anointed in the Old Testament, this is what it was for, to declare that the presence of God was with them. Psalms 20 verse 6 says God saves his anointed. Psalms 28 8 says he's a saving refuge of the anointing. 1 Samuel 16 13 says then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers being David and the spirit of the Lord. Watch this. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Let me say that again for some of you sitting in the back. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So understand this. David gets anointed in front of his brothers. He's uneducated. He's unfit. He's unskilled. He's the least. They didn't even want to bring David out. They're like, oh, we got this little skinny guy in the back out there tending the sheep. You know, these all these strong guys where God's going to use the. This has to be. Samuel's like, mm, these aren't the guys. These aren't the ones. And he's like, well, I do got another son. You know, he's out. No. And he's like, that's the one because God does not look at the outward appearance. God looks at the inward. God looks at the spirit of the man. And God says, I'm going to anoint David. And the moment David gets the anointing, the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. The spirit of God, come on, Holy Ghost, help us tonight was going to be with David from that day forward. How did David kill Goliath? The Spirit of God. How did David govern people? The Spirit of God. How did David uh, run all these empires and armies down to the ground and establish the kingdom of God? How did he build temples? How did he build the Spirit of Almighty God? 1 Samuel 16, 13 is David's secret. He was anointed and the Spirit of God came on him. You need the Spirit of God. 1 Kings 19, 16, Elijah, Elijah anoints Elisha. Why? To symbolize Elisha, the Spirit of God. The way it was with me is now going to be with you. So that's the purpose of the Old Testament anointing. Now the New Testament, God says, here's the deal. You don't even have to be special. You don't even have to be a special chosen person. Anyone that believes in me, 
anyone that repents of their sins, puts their faith in me, you can now receive the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit comes that anointing. Remember, Christ means the anointed one. Jesus said, I was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's how we become anointed. Do you need? And I know I'm going to have some friends here writing me mad about this. Well, they probably won't write me. They'll just act like they still like me because they're going to get mad. But you don't need a special service to get anointed. You don't need a special oil to get anointed. Do I believe in anointing oil? Absolutely. I'm going to show you verses about it. Do I believe to anoint people? Absolutely. But I'm telling you that if you have the Holy Spirit, you've been anointed of God it comes by the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 121. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. Okay. So it is God and has anointed us. So he's established you in Christ and has anointed you. And who also has put his seal on us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You've been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. A guarantee of what? That Jesus is coming back for his church. There is a real man. I posted today, aliens are not coming, Jesus is. There is a real man coming to rapture his church, to come for his church. And this is what Paul was saying. The Holy Spirit's been given you as a seal, as a guarantee. This is literally what it means. Now, if you're young, you're not going to understand this. If you're older, you're going to know what layaway was. Okay, Kmart used to do a thing. And my first job ever was Kmart, by the way. Just a little quick tidbit there. But Kmart used to do something called layaway. And what layaway is, is you get the item that you want. You take it to the layaway department and you pay either 10% or 50%, depending for the item, they hold it for you, and then when you're able to pay the full amount, you can come finish paying. And uh, no one does it anymore because it's just completely, it just doesn't make sense to do anymore. But you go, and that's called layaway. So they say, we'll hold it, and you say, oh, I have a, a PlayStation on layaway, or I have an iPod on layaway. Back then, there was iPods, by the way. You're like, what's an iPod? I have it on layaway. So the money you put down was a guarantee you were going to come back for the item. Are you guys, Are you guys with me here? So this is what Paul is saying. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. That's the layaway payment as a guarantee that I am, oh, That's come on, Holy good. Ghost, I'm coming back to get you. I'm not leaving you in this corrupted, broken, sinful world, but I'm coming back as a man. There is, I hope you know this, a Jewish man. There's 4,000 awesome share the broadcast. There's a Jewish man that is going to step foot on this earth again and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years and friend you're going to get raptured up with them and when he comes back you're coming back with them the bible says you're going to be on a white horse clean robes and at the battle of armageddon the lord himself with one word out of his mouth like a sword is going to demolish destroy the antichrist the false prophet the beast are going to be completely destroyed and you're going to come back on a white horse and rule and reign for a thousand years with christ he's guaranteeing that so it's not oh is jesus coming back it's jesus is coming back we know that the return of the lord is imminent it is at any moment at any time and we are to be prepared for the day of the lord we are to be prepared for the coming of the lord our our lord draws near the bible says like you thought you had time but friend understand that the day of the lord is now now's the day of salvation that we are in the final hour we don't have time we don't have another winter we don't have another summer you don't have time and like some of you and i feel i feel this prophetically tj there's people in the chat or were like me and you used to be me and tj i could guarantee he thought this i used to think this used to think in our teenage years when i'm 35 i used to always think this so weird when i'm 30 or 35 then i'll settle down i'll start stop going crazy partying doing all the stuff i'll settle down find a church and serve god when i'm 40 when i'm 40 
Because God's boring, God's dead, God's dull. That's what I used to think in my teenage years. Not understanding, friend, I didn't have time. Listen to me, young people. You do not have time to play church. You need the anointing today. You don't have time to go through the motions. You need the anointing of God today. You don't have till you're 30. The Bible says don't get distracted in your youth and neglect and forget about God in the excitement of your youth. Serving God is the best thing that you'll ever do. You need the Holy Spirit. The anointing now is not an outward ceremony. It's an inward reality. It's not a ceremony that we do. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us. And I don't know about you. I know about me and TJ. I am so glad to be in a generation where I can have the Holy Spirit in me, not on me. Friend, people say, I just want the Holy Spirit on me. I got the Holy Ghost in me. The Holy Spirit in me now used used to only come on to people. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. He no longer has to come upon us. He comes into us and he takes over. And Paul said, it's no longer I that live. Well, then, Paul, who's living? It's Christ in me. Well, how is Christ living in you, Paul, if Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father? Has anyone ever asked that question? If Christ at the right hand, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm I'm coming back, y'all. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to see it at the right hand of the Father, but through the Holy Spirit, I'm going to establish my will in your life. I'm going to establish my anointing in your life. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. So absolutely, we're living in the last days. Absolutely, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, it's for today. Prayer and fasting. Those are the, the key ingredients to cultivate to cultivating a strong anointing. Now, some of you, the, the power of God's been dormant in your life. The presence of God, because you've neglected, guess what? No more tonight. Tonight, it's time to wake up. The alarm is going off. We're sounding it. I'm going to turn it over to you, TJ. We're sounding the alarm. It's time for the anointing of God to, to come onto your life tonight and to come into that's, you and to change you. That's right. And, you know, in the Old Testament, you, 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 you spoke about it. There were three offices that received the anointing. There was the priest, the prophet, and the king. Mm. In the New Testament, Revelation 5 says, Christ has made us by his blood Come kings on. and priests unto our God and unto our Savior. The way they would anoint the priest and uh, the priest specifically in the Old Testament, they'd first take the blood of the lamb that they slaughtered and they'd put it on the priest's right thumb, on the priest's right toe, and on the priest's right ear. That, that symbolized their, their cleansing from their sins and it, it like was looking forward to the ultimate redemption that we'd receive. So the blood, it cleansed them. It, in the Old Testament, they called it atoning of, of sins. In the New Testament, we call it the remission of sins. Totally mm. different. Atonement is we cover it up for another year. Remission is, there's two types of remission in, in uh, medical science. There's absolute zero emission and then there's regular remission. When someone has cancer, you can either go into one of those two remissions. One remission, the body still shows signs that you had cancer. And the cancer could come back. You can come out of remission. Absolute zero remission is, I don't know how they do it, specifically with leukemia patients, where they do a bone marrow transplant and they successfully, like, Uh, fool your body into thinking that it never even had cancer in the first place. The remission we received by the blood of Jesus Christ is absolute, total, zero remission. Where 
God totally removes your past. As far as the east is from the west, so is your sins blotted from his sight. The Bible says, I will remember your sins and lawless deeds no more. You're forgiven. The blood of Jesus washes you. But the priest went through another thing. Then after that, they got oil and they would dip their right thumb in the oil. They'd have the oil on their right toe and on their right, the right big toe and on their right ear. And that symbolized... Not only their consecration to ministry, but their empowerment to do whatever they had to do in the temple. We have been made kings and priests unto our God and Savior. The blood cleansed us, and now the anointing empowers us to do the work that Christ has assigned you to do. And I want to make this very clear to you tonight. Not everybody's called to be a full-time uh, minister of the gospel. And not, now don't get me confused. You are to minister the gospel wherever you're at. You're a full-time Christian, part-time everything else. But not everyone stands in the office of pastor. Not everyone stands in the office of the evangelist. Not everyone stands in the office of an apostle or a prophet or of a teacher. Not everyone has a, what they call a five-fold ministry. But God has called you to something. And the anointing, just like in the Old Testament, wasn't just for the priest, wasn't just for the prophet, it was for the king. And then you actually see the anointing in guys like Daniel. Daniel was not a, a he wasn't a, a, like a, he wasn't a minister of the gospel. He wasn't a, 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 a preacher. He, he ended up becoming a prophet because of what the anointing did through him. But the Bible says in Daniel chapter 6, that he carried the spirit of excellence that distinguished him in his generation. He was a government official. He was a, a governor in the realm of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were all just governors. David was a king. You look at Solomon, he was a king, yet they were anointed to do what God had called them to do. The anointings, a lot of people get this confused and it just, you know, just turns them off from the subject of the anointing. Well, I'm not a preacher, so I don't need it. The anointing will carry you through and empower you to do whatever God has called you to do. If it's preaching, there's an anointing to preach. If it's government, if God's called you to stand as an official of government, if God's called you to be a teacher in a public school system, if we need anointed teachers in a public school system. For goodness sakes, the world is going nuts. We need anointed teachers. Look, politics, I'm not saying politics is going to save America, but I heard someone say, you know, there are principalities that govern certain areas and principalities oftentimes demonize politicians to implement certain legislations, uh, certain legislative uh, bills and stuff, certain rules, certain regulations, and that influences the course of the nation. Imagine if we had anointed people in politics that can actually influence the politics in the way of righteousness rather than just saying, well, God doesn't need government. God doesn't need, yeah, he doesn't need it, but God has moved through people, Old Testament and you, in government. And so there's an anointing to stand in an office of a governor or a politician. There's an anointing to stand in the office, uh, in, um, as a businessman or a businesswoman, as an entrepreneur. I know people personally that have an anointing to generate wealth through their businesses. I mean, look at Chick-fil-A. Look at J.C. Penney. Study the history of J.C. Penney. Study the history of the Hilton Hotel chain. All these guys were given to the Lord. God gave them a creative ability to bring innovative thoughts in their specific industries, and they built these mega empires and the wealth. You look at some of these guys and they're tithing. You know, people say, God doesn't need money. God doesn't need money. Really? How do you think Reinhard Bonnke 
financed his crusades. Do you think he just showed up to the airport and said, hey, brother, I need a team of 150 people to get on your plane? And they said, you're a preacher of the gospel. Let us roll out the red carpet. We'll give you a private. That didn't happen. It cost money to set up those massive crusades. Cost him specifically, like I think it was $70 million for all the crusades he did in Nigeria for a span of nine years. God needs anointed businessmen. Some of you are so confused because you're like, you have this passion for God. You have this love for God. You want to do something for God. You even have a desire to do something specific, but you're, you're feeling guilted. Oh, I have to be a full-time preacher. Maybe God, if you feel guilted in doing that, you're probably not called to do it. I mean, I don't feel guilty in doing what I do. I love what I do. God's not going to make you do something that you just hate. If you have a gift... And you, you do with ease what others do with frustration and sweat. That's probably an indication that God's calling you to do that and build something with that. And the anointing, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, remember that it is the Lord your God who has given you power to create wealth. Maybe that idea is God giving you power to bring a creation of wealth to fund this end time gospel. And that's what I want to get into next. There are anointing repellents. There are things that repel the anointing. And I want to start first and foremost, the love of money is an anointing repellent. If you're trying to use the anointing to make yourself famous, to get yourself ahead, to, to, to brand yourself or to, to increase yourself and bring yourself into this place with selfish ambition, the anointing is not going to operate in you. Whatever success you do enjoy is going to be a worldly success. It's going to bring sorrow. Remember, there is the blessing of the Lord that maketh a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. And then there's people just working for riches and they're filled with sorrow and they're filled with depression and they're filled with anxiety and they're filled with anguish. Totally different. The love of money will, will totally repel the anointing. God will lift his hand. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We, he mentioned it before. Acts chapter 8, Simon said, give me this power so that on whomever I lay my hands, they might receive the Holy Spirit. He didn't want it so that he can be used by God to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. He wanted to make a business out of it the same way he used magic and witchcraft to make a business out of it before he got uh, supposedly saved. And Peter said, may your money perish with you. You thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. The anointing is not an investment opportunity. The anointing is God working through you to, to, not, to not push forward your agenda, to push forward God's agenda. Number two, anointing repellent is pride. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you are prideful, you will not be useful in the kingdom of God. Pride pride disqualifies you that's what happened to Saul he got prideful he thought that he can fulfill the duty of only what the prophet could do he sacrificed when he wasn't supposed to sacrifice and Samuel came and said hey God's rejected you now when you're prideful you've you you're like you know David man looketh not at the outward appearance man looketh at the outward appearance God looks at the heart so if you're prideful God his eyes are, the Bible says, all things are open to his eyes, laid open and naked to the eyes of him who must give an account. You can hide your pride through false humility and stuff, but God sees your heart. He knows your heart and he weighs your motives. Number three, prayerlessness. If you're prayerless and you don't fast, we already alluded to this before, but if you're prayerless and you don't fast, you're not a candidate to receive the anointing or to walk in the anointing. I mean, think of it this way. I'm gonna, this is a, an amazing quote I heard a man of God say once. And it, it's so true. It is extremely foolish to think 
that you can enjoy the results of Christ without subscribing to the disciplines Christ subscribed to. It is foolish to think that you can walk in the level of power that Christ walked in without subscribing to the level of discipline that Christ had. If Christ fasted and prayed, and remember, he didn't say, if you decide to fast one day, or if you ever feel like praying, you know, it could be a good thing. Here are some benefits. He said, when you fast and when you pray. If you don't pray, you're not a candidate to receive the, the anointing. Paul, the reason why he was so anointed that he did extraordinary miracles that even handkerchiefs and, ha and uh, aprons were brought from his body, that those that were demon-possessed and sick were healed and restored and delivered was because he said it. He's the one that said it. Pray at all times in the power of the Holy Ghost. He said that men ought always to pray, never to lose heart. He said in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, that we are to pray without ceasing. So the success, the secrets of men are in their success stories. So you see, why did Paul walk in that power? You can find it in the epistles, exactly what he did. It's not a mystery. He didn't, like Isaiah said, he didn't just stumble on it. He didn't just automatically just drop on him. He actually says, I am what I am by the grace of God and the grace of God that is in me was not in vain. Do you know what that tells you? God can actually desire to use you. God can put a grace on you. God could even initially anoint you to do something, but it could all be in vain because you don't act on it and step out on it prayerlessness number four uh one two three four world wordless christianity not getting in the word not studying the gospels people ask me all the time as if there's a formula on how to increase the anointing i, I want more anointing i want more anointing what can i do i had this person lay hands on me and i'm all for impartation and stuff but you know a lot of people want fast food christianity they want the fast food anointing they want the microwave anointing it doesn't work that way you get in the Gospels and study the Gospels. Christ is the anointed one. The more you study the Gospels, the more that anointing is going to get on you. You want an anointing to heal the sick? Study how Christ healed the sick. You want an anointing to, to cast out devils? Study how Christ cast out devils. You want an anointing to, to, to raise the dead? Then study how Christ raised the dead. And I can get into stories on that, but for the sake of time. Number five, compromise is an anointing repellent. You compromise on the word, compromise on holiness, compromise on righteousness, compromise on, on your integrity. Whatever you compromise on, you've canceled. Uh, you've canceled yourself in that area. So there's a lot of ministers, especially in the last 21 months, that have compromised big time on the word of God. They've shied away from speaking certain things. And, like, and, and you see that they don't carry the same weight in their words any longer. Compromise is a sure destroyer of the anointing that God's put on you. And let me make this very clear. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That's for sure. But the anointing to function in those gifts and in those callings can be lifted off of you. The gift and calling of God is irrevocable, but the anointing to function, the unction to function in those areas can be lifted. And so my greatest fear, and I know Isaiah, one of the first sermons that I heard Isaiah preach and that made me fall in love with the guy, I listened to it so many times, is losing the anointing. Come on. And I've listened to it many times, like first USB you guys put out. It was yeah, like 20 yeah. messages. I got it. And I listened to it, losing the anointing, and that put the fear of God in me. I'm going to guard the anointing. Not that the anointing needs to be protected. It's that there has to be, you know, Set a guard over your heart, the Bible says. There has to be some shield. There has to be a, 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 a wall that you put around you. That not everything's allowed in. Not everything can come in. I take the anointing. 
it the cost was high you know you you said like i don't have my my passport just hanging around i don't if i had like a hundred grand in a bag i wouldn't just leave it in my living room i'd throw it in a safe i guard it because it's valuable to me some of you have your anointing just lift it out you know it's, it's it's compromised put it in a safe guard it with all your might so good so powerful i wanted to also touch on too you know we talk about and then we're going to pray for you guys i know we've been an hour but it's okay it's our broadcast we can go here but we talk about the anointing of god getting the anointing but i want to also talk about before you call me a heretic hear what i'm going to say here guys actually anointing god is it possible to actually anoint God. Well, there is someone in scripture I want to discuss who anointed Jesus. And this story is in John 12 and Matthew 26. It's the same story. The Bible talks about Mary actually anointing Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 26, 6. It says, when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. So the Bible distinguishes Jesus is at the house, Simon the leper. We know he was healed of leprosy. A woman came having an alabaster flax, flask a very costly fragrant oil and she poured it on his head and he sat at the table but when the disciples saw it they were angry saying why did you waste this for this oil could have been sold for money and given to the poor but when jesus was aware he said why do you trouble the woman for she's done a good work for me for you have the poor with you always but you won't always have me he says for pour in pouring this fragrant oil on my body she has did it for my burial assuredly i say to you wherever this gospel is preached the whole world there'll be a memorial of her which right now two thousand years later we're still talking about her so here's mayor of bethany the other translation in john 12 it says she anointed jesus and this is at simon the leper's house the disciples are there Simon the leper's there. Lazarus is there who just got raised from the dead. Mary's there. Martha's there. Everybody's there. Here comes this lady in with this alabaster box of expensive perfume from the hills of India worth a year's wage. Now, scholars say this would be 40 to 60,000 US dollars. That's a year's wage. So I want you to think about a 50,000 average bottle of perfume. She breaks this box and anoints Jesus's head and anoints Jesus's feet. One book says she anoints his head. The other book says she anointed his feet. But I want you to see something. The anointing is not only just to empower you, but the anointing also protects you. In Psalms 23, 5, David says God would anoint his head with oil. Now, David, sure. think about this, is an ancient shepherd. And in those days, and even in today's days, flies will lay eggs in the wool of sheep and in the nose of sheep. Flies will lay, I know this is gross, up to 500 eggs in the nose of a sheep or the wool of a sheep. Listen to this, TJ. And the, the eggs will last in the wool for about five to eight months. And the flies would usually cause infection, killing, eventually killing the sheep. So this would cause the sheep to lose its appetite. So what they would do is they would mix oil together and they would make a mixture of oil or anointing and they would smear the oil on the head of the sheep, on the nose of the sheep, so that when the sheep, the flies came, they could not plant their eggs in the sheep. Now we know Jesus, our shepherd, were the sheep, the anointing of God. David said, you've anointed my head with oil. It protects us from who? Luke 11 says the devil is Beelzebub, which means the Lord of the flies. So when David was saying, you pour oil on my head, David has a revelation that God is the shepherd. We're the sheep. And so the devil can't plant his seed in us. The devil can't lay eggs in us. The anointing of God protects us. So you have to understand that there is an anointing. There is power when we are anointed. Now, this woman anoints Jesus. Now, you might say, why would anybody anoint Jesus? Because the thing is that for the anointing is you would only usually anoint a king. Here's what she was doing prophetically. 
She was anointing Jesus as her personal king. See, there's a lot of you in the live stream that Jesus is your Messiah. Jesus is your healer. Jesus is your deliverer. Jesus is your friend. Jesus is your comforter, your savior, your teacher, but you've never anointed Jesus as the king of your life. You've never said, Jesus, I'm going to break this alabaster box. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to choose you as my king. And this woman anointed Jesus. This is Mary who had what seven demons the bible says who came out of many believe prostitution here she is anointing jesus saying i'm going to make you the ruler of my life that you're going to rule my decisions you're going to govern my thoughts you're going to make choices for me and friend i want this to be me i want jesus but before he becomes your king what do you have to do you have to break your box you have to come out of this religious box this compartmentalized same song same parking in the church same chair same schedule same religious routine you've been, you there's nothing fresh happening when the holy spirit says break the box i want to govern your life i don't know about you but i'm tired of the box i'm tired of the religious games i want to sacrifice now let's ask this if you work for an entire year $50,000 you raised and God said, I want you to waste that $50,000. Don't give it to the poor. Don't sow it into Isaiah's ministry or TJ's ministry. I actually want you to just light it on fire, just burn it and just sacrifice it to me. Guys, 99.9% .9 of us would never do that. Yet this is exactly what she did. She said there's in her mind, there was no such thing as wa wasting anything on God. It's not a waste to pray. It's not a waste to fast. Some of you think, and I'm preaching to somebody right now, TJ. Some of you think that you're wasting your time when you pray. You think you're wasting your time fasting. Like God's not moving. God's not doing anything. God says, is it not worth wasting on me? Friend, it, there's never a waste when you're serving God. Now the Bible says the disciples, now think about this. They got angry when she poured it on his head and said, what is the purpose of this waste? Have you ever had other Christians tell you what you're doing is a waste of time? Oh, you don't have to yell like that. You're wasting your time preaching that way. You're wasting your time always showing up to prayer. You're wasting your time living holy. Oh, you don't go to the movies. You're wasting your life away at this Christian thing. Come on, is there anyone in the chat that can testify that your family thinks you're wasting your life watching these streams, going out and doing deliverance, going out to the church, feeding the poor? You're just wasting your time fasting. You're wasting your time lukewarm believers are always going to think it's a waste of time but understand what it does it intimidates them that you're willing to give god more than they do let me tell you why That's all right. these religious people are mad about your passion because they used to have the passion that you have they lost what you have and it makes them mad and they treat god like a minimum wage job tj god's not that big of a deal but we had one lady who said i am breaking out of this religious mindset and i'm wasting I'm wasting my life on God. Friend, listen, I am wasting everything on God. Every moment, every day, God, 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 I'm giving my entire right. life. And for the world, they think I'm wasting my life. Why are you wasting your life on that whole God thing? But to the disciple that knows who they are in Christ, it's worth everything. I want to ask you this question tonight, and then we're going to, you know, we're going to pray and stuff like that. But have you given God something that really cost you something like where it hurt? I'm not talking about money. We're not friend. Listen, you can give whatever praise the Lord, but we're not taking an offering right now. I'm talking about where you say I'm giving God my Isaac, not my Ishmael. Cause too many of you, when God says sacrifice, you're like, Oh, Ishmael, here's the altar, throw him on the altar. But God says, I'm not looking for your Ishmael. 
I don't want you to fast something that's cheap. Some of you are like, oh, I don't really like Instagram, so I'm going to fast Instagram. I don't really like YouTube, so I'm going to fast. I don't really like, I, I know people say, I say I fast, and I'm like, what are you fasting? They're like, well, I'm not eating chocolate ice cream for a month. Guys, what? That's not what God's asking. He says, I want you to give me something this year that's going to cost you something. And listen, let's think about the people that were criticizing her. People that at one time in their life would have given the same amount she gave. Simon the ex-leper. That, that was there. Like this guy's so out of touch because he was just healed. Lazarus, who was just dead, is in this house. Peter, who was a miserable fisherman. Matthew, who had run from the call of God, whose, whose name was Levi, who was a part of the Levitical order. And I'm telling you, if I was there, if I was Jesus, I would have said, Simon, don't you remember how I found you? You were an outcast to society, full of leprosy. Simon, you were cast out of the city. No family, no home, no friends, depression, anxiety, nowhere to turn. And I showed up and healed you. Now you're going to give this lady flack for pouring out her box on me? And Lazarus, I would have done this. I would have turned to each one of them. And maybe he did. It just doesn't say in scripture. Lazarus, you were dead. You were worse than Simon because you, you had no hope. You had no chance. And I raised you up. And Peter, you're one to talk because you were living that life of the fisherman, doing the same thing every day, living a normal life. Come on, somebody could relate to this. And I found you, Peter, and I gave you life. And what about you, Martha? Don't you remember how depressed you were when Lazarus died and you came to me and I healed your, your brother and Andrew? The first time you saw me, you were with John the Baptist and you, de you declared the Lamb of God when I was walking on that shoreline. And you, friend, you left everything to follow me. You left John, you left the ministry. James and John, don't you guys remember your mom coming to me, pleading with me? Please let my boys follow you. Please, I, I'll let them do anything. Philip, remember how excited you were when you told Nathaniel about me? Matthew, you were a tax collector. Nobody, nobody wanted anything to do with you. And I came right up to your tax collector booth. So how dare any of you try to come and tell this lady, here's, here's your issue. Here's what all the disciples and Simon and Lazarus, they forgot where they came from. They forgot what it was like to be desperate. Right. They forgot what it was like to be broken. And friend, I never want to forget what my vomit smells like. I know it sounds gross, but I remember days waking up in my own vomit. I remember one day my brother woke me up and was cleaning up my vomit, vacuuming it up. And before I got in trouble and making sure I didn't drown in my own vomit, I remember waking up just nasty and hung over and with who knows who the night before and who knows where I was at and just living this broken and this man a real man came to me January 12, 2011 and said, Isaiah, I have a purpose for you. The devil has a plan of destruction, but I have a plan to give you life and to give you life. And I have a, a wife for you and I have kids that you're going to have and a ministry for you and I have a calling and I'm going to use you to preach to millions of people. And I know you're broken and beat down and busted and disgusted, but give me your life. Break your box. Waste your life on me. This is what Jesus is saying. Will you anoint me as your king tonight? Yes, God wants to anoint you. We believe it. We've been preaching for an hour. But God is saying, will you anoint me your king? Will you say, I'm giving you everything tonight, God. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm tired. Friend, don't judge our praise until you know the cost. I've, I've broken box after box, and I know the cost of a fresh anointing. I know what it's going to cost for me to anoint Jesus once again and to break my box and 
Whenever I'm traveling and I see people with extravagant worship, TJ, I always know there's a story behind their praise. I was in Florida and there was this man worshiping and praising like I've never seen before. I mean, this guy was going all out dancing and the pastor of the church leaned over to me and said, do you know why that guy dances the way that he dances? He said, that guy came in several months ago and was a full on woman. We did not know it was a man. It was a full on woman came. God touched his life. He came back the next week dressed fully as a man, delivered, healed, changed. And so you might see his praise and people judge him because the way he dances, the way he shouts, he said, but you don't understand. There's a story behind his praise. There's a purpose behind his shout friend. Understand there's a reason why we praise the way that we praise. There's a reason why we shout the way that we shout. So before you judge us, for being passionate, before you judge us for being excited, before you judge us for praising the way we praise, understand the reason we praise this way. TJ has a story. There's a reason why he could preach on peace because he had OCD and anxiety and stress and panic attacks and everything else. And so did I. And now I'm able to stand with the peace of God, with the power of God, living a clean life with clean hands, a pure heart. When my wife says, we need to talk, I don't have to think, oh, did she find something on my phone? Did she? There's no worries. There's no stress because I'm walking in the supernatural power of God. This is the life that's available if you'd remember where God brought you from. If you'd remember that not only... And again, before you call me a heretic, hear what I'm saying. Not only does God want you to anoint, God want to anoint you, but God says, would you anoint me? Would you break? Would you give me something valuable? And I want to give you some final, if you want to say something uh, before we pray TJ here, but I, I'm telling you the anointing is strong, not only to get anointed, but to anoint Jesus. I've never heard anybody say that. And I was reading scripture and I'm like, wait a minute, this woman anointed Jesus. How are you going to anoint Jesus? This is the son of God. He's the one that's supposed to anoint us. But she said, no, no, no. I'm anointed you. I'm anointing you for your burial. And then Jesus was actually anointed again by Nicodemus. David and Jesus are the only people in scripture, fun fact, that were both anointed three different times. And tonight I believe God says, not only do I want to anoint you, but also I want you to anoint me as your king. Yeah. And Psalm, I think it's Psalm 124. It says, had it not been the Lord who was on Come our on. side. Let Israel now say, had it not been the Lord who was on our side, then the enemy would have swept in and devoured us as prey. Mm. I think, I love that you, you're, you're, we're ending on this because I think a lot of people need to, and, and you know, one of the qualifications of operating in the anointing is having a desire to see other people set free. Come on. And it's when you forget where you came from that you kind of lose that desire to see others set free. Because there's a lot of people, and I feel like there's people watching online. When you first got saved, your love for God was at an all-time high. You wanted, you were like a terminator Christian. Everywhere you went, it didn't matter who threw stones at you or rocks at you. You, you let them know you were a Christian. You preached the gospel to them. You offered to pray for them. You offered to help them. But somewhere down the line, something happened. Whether it be a tragedy, loss of a loved one, Maybe it's a, a relationship that went sour. Mm. Whatever it was, it kind of like emptied that love out of you. You got, you got sidetracked like that seed that was sown in shallow ground. Jesus said, immediately when the sun comes up, which represented tribulation because of the word, it withered away because it didn't have firm roots. And that might be you today. And you, we don't do these broadcasts to condemn you. Jesus doesn't... Religions throw stones. Jesus brings grace. Come We're not on. here to throw stones at anybody. 
anybody. We're here to show you that if you have stumbled, if you have gone astray, if you're not walking in the anointing right now, you know, Matthew 25, Jesus said, and I pray it wasn't prophetic. I pray he was just giving a parable. But he said that in the last days, there will be, he, he talks about 10 virgins. Five of them were wise yep. and they carried oil with them. And five of them were foolish. They didn't bring oil in their lamp. And so it came that at midnight, when the bridegroom delayed his coming, that they heard a shout, the bridegroom cometh. But the ones who didn't have oil had gone back to the city to buy oil. At first they had said, give us some of your oil. You see, you can't live off someone else's anointing. You can't live off someone else's faith. God doesn't have grandchildren. God has children. You can't say, grandpa was a pastor and that's enough for me. You have to have your own relationship with God. You have to have your own consecration to God. You have to have your own merry moment where you bust that alabaster flask open and begin to devote yourself spirit soul and body to the commission of heaven and there, I, I, I and if you have fallen astray and you're that you know that was at the midnight hour the, things were too late then things are not too late now as long as that trumpet hasn't sounded, as long as there's breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart, there's time to turn back tonight. You, you don't have to be like the five foolish that, you know, neglected the prayer closet, neglected fasting and prayer, neglected going to church. There's some people watching on now, online right now. You, you don't even remember the last time you were in a church building. You said, well, you know, online broadcast is enough. I'll just do that. Online broadcasts are great. Isaiah does them. I do them. But they aren't substitutes for corporate gatherings. They are supplements. You have to find a local mm. body because, you know, it's iron that sharpens iron. You've gone dull because you haven't been around iron. You've been locked up in your bedroom and you've just been watching live streams and stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that, but they're not substitutes. You mm. need to get plugged into the body of Christ for it's only those who plant their feet in the courts of God, the Bible says, that will flourish in the house of God. You have to plant your feet in a local body. And so if you are that person, Jesus said, I would that you were hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Wow. I'll spit you out of my mouth. But you know what? Jesus never gives a diagnosis without bringing a solution. He didn't do that to make the Laodicean church feel bad about themselves and say, well, you're on your own now. He said, but this, as many as I love, I chastise, be zealous and repent. The fact that the grace of God drew you to this broadcast tonight is be, it shows you that God's not done with you. God's not through mm -hmm. with you. The devil's thrown his best at you. The devil's done everything he could, like he did in Job's day, to get you to curse God and die. Turn the other way. I'm done with this Christian stuff. What? It's done me nothing. But as you've persevered, as you've said, you know what? I, I, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm going to stick with it. God's, God's not done with you. And the Bible says, as many as I love, I chastise and I, 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 I discipline. Therefore, remember from where you've fallen. If you've left your first love, remember you from where you've fallen. What does that mean? Do the things you did at first. Mm. Even if you don't feel like it, start praying. Even if you don't feel like it, start going back to church. Even if you don't feel like it, start reading your Bible. And you'll see, you might start off. You might start it off as a discipline, but it will soon turn to a delight. And you can have, don't let the devil deceive you into thinking you're too far gone. It ain't over until God says it's over. And God won't say it's over until you overcome and make it to the other side. Come on, pray for the chat, TJ. We're going to pray, guys, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
This is the anointing of God. Some of you are still, how do I get the anointing? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You repent, you ask the Lord for it, and the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you tonight. So I'm going to have TJ pray over the chat. There's 4,300 incredible numbers tonight. We're reaching people at the gospel. This is the best part, guys. This is where we believe by faith. doesn't have to be a feeling. Now, this there are times where the baptism of the Holy Spirit does transcend your feelings to where you do experience it in the natural, tangible way. But if you don't feel a thing, we are coming by faith, saying, Lord, baptize us. There are times where I get baptized in the Holy Spirit and I feel it. I feel it. There are other times where I don't feel a thing. And guess what? I say, I believe by faith. I've been baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit because it's not about emotions or about feelings. So don't look for a certain emotion or a certain feeling to validate whether you've been baptized or are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But look to God, look to the word, look to faith and say, I don't walk by feelings, I walk by faith. I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. It's not tangible, it's intangible, it's supernatural. And many times what happens in the supernatural can't be distinguished in the natural realm. So we need to believe in faith as TJ prays. We're all believing, TJ's believing, I'm believing. Guys, we don't come to this arrogantly. We all need to be filled again. We all need to have a fresh anointing. And so I'm going to pay the price for that fresh anointing as many of you should. Maybe there is something that God is saying tonight, you need to give up. You need to lay this down. Uh, maybe you need to do that. I don't know what that is. I can't tell you what that is because I'm not you. But whatever that is, don't argue with God. Don't fight God. If God is saying to do it, then you need to give it up because there is, again, a cost to following Jesus. Whoever told you that you don't have to do anything, they lied to you. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to lay down your life. That's the cost. Salvation's free, but it costs everything. I hope you're getting that there. There's a price to pay to following Jesus. And there's a lot of preachers that are preaching a false gospel saying, just accept Jesus and live like the devil. That's not scriptural. You need to lay your life down. There's a price. It's a difficult road. But today is your day. Maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you need to follow Jesus. Whatever you need, today's the day the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you. So I'm going to turn you over, TJ, to pray for the chat. However you feel led, just go for it here. David's anointed in 1 Samuel 16, 13. The power of the, the Bible says Samuel anointed him with oil and the power of the Lord came mightily upon him from that day onward. But then years down the line, he writes Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, it says, I will be anointed with fresh oil. That's good. A lot of Christians are arrogant because they had one move of God in 1987 in a meeting with brother so-and-so and they think that I've got it all. And that actually prevents them from experiencing further moves of God and further uh, encounters with the Holy Spirit because they think, you know, God can't fill a full vessel. And most people are full of themselves. It's not even the Holy Ghost. So I want you to understand tonight, no matter how, how much you've experienced with God, there's always another level in God. No matter how far God takes me in Isaiah and life, there is always another level in God. There is always a higher level in the anointing. You know, Ezekiel, the Bible says God brought him in Ezekiel 47 to a, a like a river. And he brought him a thousand cubits and his the water filled up to his ankles. And then the Lord said, hey, come a little more deep. And brought him a thousand cubits more. And the river was up to his knees. Then he said, no, it's not enough. Come a little more. The river was up to his waist. Then Ezekiel was like, well, this is probably as far as I'll... No, there's still more. Come a little further. And then he said, I came into waters that could not be passed over. Hallelujah. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. He didn't say get filled once and that'll be all. He said, be filled. And if you study the Greek term, it's a continuous present. Be being filled 
filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't ever stop contending for a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Yesterday's oil isn't going to suffice for today's battles and today's challenges. I'm going to be like David. I know you've stayed an hour and a half on this broadcast because you're like David. You're not satisfied with what God did yesterday. You're not satisfied with what you encountered yesterday. You want, like David said, I will be anointed with fresh oil. I will be anointed with fresh oil. My cup is not going to be filled halfway or to the brim. My cup shall overflow. I started this broadcast by saying three simple things. The power of the Holy Ghost is going to come on you tonight to do three things. Number one, and, and no matter where you're at, I don't care if you're in a bathroom or in a car listening to this on, on, your, on your phone or whatever. Number one, wherever you are right now or those watching on the replay, as the power of the Holy Ghost comes on you, every chain that hell has forged to set up over your life, every pillar of darkness that the enemy has solidified in your life, they're getting cracked and shattered and they're coming down tonight in Jesus mighty name no matter what the devil's done to you the power of the Holy Ghost is the solution to every onslaught of hell the Bible says it's the shield of faith that quenches every fiery dart of the enemy the devil is a prowling a, a roaring lion seeking one whom he may devour but remember the Bible says he might throw the arrow, but we have a shield called faith that extinguishes every fiery dart of the enemy. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to go through life just taking it. Oh, if I'll, you know, that's how some people are in relationships. They're in an abusive relationship. I'll just take it. I'll just take it. You know, he gives me a nice home, so I'll just take it. That's how people treat, like with the devil. I'll just take it. I'll just take it. Not knowing that they can actually secure power with God to to break his hold and his strongholds off your life. I heard someone say this the other day. There's so many ministers that are preaching how to climb your mountain, and it's because they haven't, they haven't uh, secured power with God to actually move the mountain. There's so many of you, I believe online right now, you've just, you've tried to cope with it. You've tried to just learn to live with it. Well, I, you know, maybe I can just learn to get along with this. Maybe I can just learn to coast through. God's not, God didn't send the anointing so you can cope with the devil's attacks and his slaps against your life. God sent the anointing so you can rise up by that power and break, break his hold off your life. To move the mountain, not climb the mountain. I, I don't understand that. Number one, the Holy Ghost is going to do something to you right now. Number two, the Holy Spirit is going to do something in you. There's a lion that's alive on the inside. The righteous are as bold as a lion, the Bible says. But some of you have been like a shy, timid cat. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So the anointing doesn't bring fear. The anointing brings what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Every ounce of fear in your spirit and in your soul right now that's crippled you, that's prevented you to even go to church, that's prevented you from doing things you enjoy doing in life, that's prevented you from stepping out of the boat and walking on the water, doing what God supernaturally called you to do, that fear the Bible says God did not give us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but he gave us the spirit of Christ, the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. All signs of fear, perfect love casteth out all fear. So you know that you don't have a total understanding of the love of God if you're still walking in fear. When you understand God's love for you, love, fear has no hold on you anymore. That fear is going to leave your life. That fear is going to flush out of your life right now. And then number three, an anointing is coming on you tonight to do whatever God's called you to do. 
There's the general will of God, which he wants you to cast out devils. You don't have to pray for that. You don't have to say, Father, uh, do you want me to cast out devils? Jesus already said, in my name, you'll cast out devils. That's the general will. You don't have to pray if God's anointed you to heal the sick. That's the Bible says you will lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. You don't have to pray if God will anoint you to preach the gospel. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach the gospel. You don't have to pray if God's going to use you to set others free. The Bible says freely you've received, now freely give. So you don't have to pray for those things. Those are general things. But there's a specific calling for your life that God's going to anoint you tonight to get it done. And to get it done at heaven's level, not at earth's level, at heaven's level, which is the highest level. You're going to be distinguished on the earth. Whatever field of occupation God's called you to, God's going to take you to the top in that area. God's going to take you to the top. We need anointed accountants. We need anointed governors. We need anointed teachers. We need anointed uh, landscapers. We need anointed people in every aspect of society. And I believe the people watching this right now and on replay... They're going to be used to do that by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's not by might, it's not by strength, but by my spirit. So if you're watching and you want to lift your hands, if you're not doing anything with your hands, just lift your hands and we're going to pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that you didn't leave us as orphans here on this earth just to like make, make it through life or just figure things out for ourselves. But you said, I'm going to send a helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and he will teach you everything and bring to your remembrance everything that he's, that he's told you. I thank you that your word says in the last days that you wouldn't stop the program of baptizing people in the Holy Ghost, but that you'd actually accelerate that program and baptize more people than ever. You said in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. In Canada, in America, in Cambodia, in Australia, in England, in Russia, all flesh. Father, I know that through this platform, we're able to reach literally every continent and every, pretty much every nation. I pray in Jesus' name, fulfill that prophecy even now. Let everyone that's watching right now that is walking on stale oil, that's feeding on yesterday's manna, that has grown weary in well-doing, receive a fresh infusion of the Holy Ghost and power. Father, those that have been intimidated and backed down by the devil through his intimidation and his fear tactics, I pray, Lord, by the anointing, even as Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, that you would give us power and authority to trample upon the serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil and nothing would ever harm us. I ask you, Father, for an anointing to drop on your people right now, wherever they're watching from, that a, a supernatural boldness would come on them, that they're not the ones looking under their bed every night, whether the devil's there or not, but that they'd be the ones on the go, casting out devils, healing the sick, that the works you've called us to do, we would do in greater works, not by might, not by strength, but by your spirit. I ask you, Father, before it is eternally too late, you said that the, the, the we're to work the works of him who sent us before night comes and it's eternally too late. Lord, that there be not one person watching this broadcast that gets to heaven and that you pull them aside and say, this is everything I could, you could have done. Here's everything I wanted you to do, but you never, you never got there. I pray that everyone that's watching this by the anointing would never miss a step from this day onward. That everything that you've reserved for them to accomplish on this earth, everything that you've assigned and tasked them to do, Lord, would be fulfilled in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for a fresh baptism in the yes. Holy Ghost and fire right now. 
from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. Holy Ghost, fall even now in Jesus' name. I pray for everyone that's struggling in their body, that have sickness or disease or weakness or infirmity, that they've not been able to do the things they want to do. Maybe they're tied up in a hospital bed, or maybe it was COVID or some other uh, disease that's, that's taken a toll on their bodies. I ask you, Father, even as your word says, that that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. Anything that's been damaged in anybody's body right now, I command it by the Holy Ghost to be quickened. In Jesus' name, be healed in your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In Jesus' name, by the fire of God, every trace of disease, every symptom of, and every pain gets burnt out by fire right now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Man, honestly, I cannot think of, guys, a better live stream to go into 2022 than this one. This is one of the best podcasts we've ever mm. had incredible numbers guys incredible power that god is moving right now have an expectation this year for what god is going to do tj where can they find you do you have any events coming up anything you want to shout out here yeah well first of all i love you so much you know that but i love want to you tell too, you publicly bro. i honor you uh you inspire me bro like we hit ten thousand subscribers but you you inspire me you have helped me so much and uh i really i really do mean it when i when i say i love you and i can't Thank wait you, for the borders to be open come one of the on. first things i'm going to do is fly to california come on let's and, go and, let's beat the devil up together gonna, we're going to spend some time together and stuff yes. but Thank you so much for constantly having us on the podcast and stuff. I know you don't have to do any of this and I know you're led by the Lord and stuff, but I, I truly, I truly like I'm, uh, I'm appreciative. I really am grateful. Appreciate for you. you, man. I, I really mean that. Um, yeah, you can find us on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel. We just We're posting your link in now. the uh, chat right now. My, my mods are posting your link and I posted it in the description too. So make sure if you're not subscribed that you go subscribe tonight. Yeah, subscribe to YouTube. We do um, live streams Tuesdays and Thursdays. I took like three weeks off because my daughter was born. Congrats, so we have we don't have new baby girl, new baby girl, Lana Rose, beautiful little baby girl. Awesome. So happy. Um, I told Isaiah, man, a girl changes you because you have you have. I got four, uh, four, man. I got four. Yeah, it changes you. It's different from a boy. Love I love it. my boy, but the girl just like melted me. Oh, Anyways. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to our, our, our YouTube, like I said, live stream Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And then I'm going to be pumping out all kinds of recordings. And I have real big plans for 2022. We're going to get to that 100K in Come Jesus' on. name. And we don't look for numbers for the sake of numbers. But if you have 100,000 subscribers, it means 100,000 people yes. are receiving the word of God you know, pretty much on a weekly or daily daily basis. So that's awesome. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at TJ Malkanji. On Instagram, I post reels all the time. They've actually taken some good traction. They're really so encouraging. Awesome. So if you want that 30-second jolt of energy, uh, I would definitely subscribe to Instagram. And then our website, salvationnow.ca. Uh, you can go to our calendar. You see all our, our, our um, events and stuff. Right now, we're pretty much on pause because Canada is... I'll spare my <laughs> words, but... <laughs> They're on lockdown. Yeah. Put it that way. Let's just say we're that. We're on lockdown. And so... Um, our, our events are pretty much limited right now. I haven't really planned anything. We do have plans to come to the United States in 2022. Somehow, I'm like literally going to like get a helicopter and fly over the border illegally if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're going to make our way there, Lord willing. So those are awesome. ways you can follow us. And I have him. He's in the description on uh, Facebook as well, guys. Make sure you follow him. TJ, thank you so much, bro, for being on. Um, I'm going to hit you up after because I'm going to send you a love offering, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thank love you, guys. Bro. Take care. Bye.
Awesome broadcast, guys. I want to challenge every single one of you. Sow into this ministry so that I can sow into TJ. Here's the thing. Regardless of what you give, I'm going to sow into TJ. But help me by giving into this so I can give into him even more than I plan to. So the links to give are there. They're on screen. They're in the description. They're in the comments. Don't dine and dash. Again, guys, powerful word. I want to challenge you to sow into it. It's a biblical thing to sow into ministers. I won't keep rehashing that over and over again. It's in the Bible. You can go find it. But we are crowdfunded. We're supported by you guys. So do us a huge favor and don't dine and dash. If you can't afford to give, don't feel bad, please. Our content is free. You can you can watch this all for free. Anyways, regardless of whether you give or not, it's not going to change anything. But it does help us by you sowing into the ministry. But Again, if you can't afford to give, please, please don't feel obligated. The Venmo is there at Isaiah Saldivar, isaiahsaldivar.com slash partner, paypal.me slash Isaiah Saldivar, Zell is Isaiah Luke Saldivar, yahoo.com. It's all there. Thank you to all of you that are sowing, giving, even if it's a dollar, it doesn't matter. It all helps us out to continue to do this full time. You guys keep us afloat, all the monthly partners. Thank you. Thank you. Someone posted on Facebook saying, I've never heard of this podcast. It popped up on my Facebook and it's changed my life. It's exactly what I needed to hear. So thank you, Lord. Now, some of you guys might say, what does it matter that you're going to hit 300,000 subs? If we were not preaching the gospel, it, these are vain metrics. It doesn't matter how many subs. It's all vain and vanity if we're not preaching the gospel. But because me and TJ are preaching the gospel, that is what our entire channel is about. I'm not on here telling you guys to follow my personality. It's all about Jesus. Every broadcast we do is all about God. Then it matters. It matters. The more, the better. So when we celebrate 100,000 subs, 10,000, 300,000, a million, whatever, we're celebrating people hearing the gospel. That's what we're celebrating. So yes, it matters. People say numbers don't matter. It matters because your unsafe friends and family are in those numbers. So we want to reach more people. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to all people. So that is our goal. And the more people we preach to, the better. That's the goal. Is there re There's no one online preaching the gospel saying like, I don't really care if I reach people or not. Then why are you on there preaching? Our goal is to reach people. It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. Again, if our channels were not about Jesus, these are vain metrics, but because they are, these, these numbers. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.